Hey everyone, this is Aubrey. And this is Melody. And this is our podcast, Mostly Macabre. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, I hope everyone had a great Halloween. I know I did. And a great Dia de los Muertos if you celebrate. Which you know we did. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time. I took my kids up north for Halloween and... We went and saw the Mercy Brown grave. And oh, right. It was so much fun. If you and don't follow us on TikTok, you should because it's up. Yeah, and I'll post some pictures. And then we went and we did on actual Halloween, we went to um, the Lizzie Borden house and we did a tour and we got to go in the basement and everything. And it was so much fun. My kids it looked went. really cool. My kids went and let me tell you, I couldn't, I knew they'd have a good time. I could not believe how excited my son was. Like, they were so into it. It was a really good time. So I'll put some of those pictures up, too. But Did they tell you guys stories about hauntings at the Lizzie Borden house? Like, if any sites, like, any hauntings are seen? They did. She, Because, um, you know, you go into each room and everything, and mm-hmm. it's, like, this whole, like, it's so interactive. And the woman, like, we lucked out. Um, we had Emily. Hey, Emily. She was awesome. She was so um, animated. Like, it's not boring at all. Like, you know, sometimes you go on a tour and it's like, and then they did this. And then, and you're like, 1981. And it's kind of like a history lesson. Mm -hmm. This was like, she was so animated and so into it. Yeah, very theatrical. So it really kept you engaged. But um, yeah, she definitely told us some stories about like, um, they said the most haunted room is Andrew and Abby Borden's room, mm-hmm. and that that's where they've had more like sightings. Or is like, that the one where? Um, <laughs> is that the one where he was like all laid out? Or, no, 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 that's the room. That's a living room. Like where mm-hmm. Andrew Borden didn't die in his bedroom; he died on a couch. Oh, okay. Um, no, the bedroom actually, no one died in there. Like Abby didn't die in their bedroom; it was a, a different bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they say that their room. People don't last the night. Like that, very rarely people will spend the whole night. But you can rent that room. You can rent it. Yeah, it's, you can it's actually. Very it's a bed and breakfast. People will stay the whole mm-hmm. night. That's what oh. they were saying. I was like, oh, I was like, part of me that wants gives me to. Chills. Ryder was like, I want to stay in this room, and I was like, good luck. Like I don't know. No, thank you. But Mm-mm. they do say that um, one of like I guess they had I think it was like a medium there or something. They said like people really got like. They felt Andrew there a lot, and, like, they wouldn't last the night. And they said that if they put some change on, like, they have a little table and put it there and, like, kind of acknowledge him, that Mm -hmm. there's, like, less hauntings or something. Would he take the change? Hmm. No, it's still there in the morning, but, like, kind of, like... He appreciates the offer. Like, the Mm -hmm. offer, yeah. The offerender. Okay. I mean, he was a money man, so I guess maybe he's like, all right, I respect that. You're paying for your time. Thank you for acknowledging me. I don't know, but they did say, like, that's hmm, something that they do. To try and, like, appease him and, like, like hey, we, you know, no, you're yeah. here and put some change on there. Like, I think, was it his pic- near his picture or something? Yeah, I thought that was weird. Hmm. So that room is supposed to be, like, the most haunted room. I would bring him some cigarettes. Right? <laughs> a pipe. I don't know if he smoked a pipe, but I'm into it. As we've talked about before. <laughs> but, um, and then there's like some rooms upstairs on the third level that um, they leave like toy, like toy boxes in there. Cause apparently mm-hmm. there's been like sightings of like children or like you can hear some kids. Children. Yeah. So it wasn't, 
Is I mean, this going to come up in the story? Um, maybe in the second part. This will be a two-parter, people, by the way. <laughs> but, Strap um, in. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. It's going to be a long one. No, but um, I will tell that story, but, like, I mean, it's an older house, so people lived mm-hmm. there before them, too. So it's an old building. So People lived there before them? Yeah, they didn't build it. They bought oh. the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'm asking you all the questions that you're probably going to answer (laughs) throughout your story. I might come up, but it's not the main part of the story. But no, um, I mean, he, like, he bought the house and then he, like, redesigned it because it was a multifamily home. And then he Mm -hmm. turned it into just his family's home. So he, like, it's kind of a weird house when you go in it. Like, to get to certain bedrooms, you have to walk through other bedrooms. Like an apartment building type thing where, like, multiple families live? Like a duplex or Wait, you Well, a, up north like multifamily home is kind of like, it's different than down here. You got to walk through one bedroom to get to the other? Yeah. Mm, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, no, it's got some, there, that will come up. It's kind of weird. It's a little bit strange. Because, like, no one wants to be that close mm-hmm. to anyone, ever. Even your children. Like, <laughs> the only time you want to be that close is when they're in a, cr- a cradle, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit weird. But, but yeah, he redesigned it instead of it having it be, like, multiple families can live there. I don't know what it looked like before. Hmm. But he did redo it, like, once he bought it to just be his family home. But um, But it also wasn't, like super fancy either considering how rich he was for the back in the day like he was, was a say, frugal man it sounded like he had money mm-hmm. if he turned multiple homes into one. Oh, he had money he had some money but um but now that you know we'll be doing lizzie borden <laughs> <laughs> surprise <laughs> guess we'll get started <laughs> So, Lizzie Andrew Borden was born on July 19, 1860, in Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah Anthony Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden. Sarah Borden died in 1863 when uh, Lizzie was only two years old, and Andrew remarried three years later. Um, Lizzie and her older sister, Emma, Emma Lenora, which I like. I like that I like that, Yeah. It's so feminine compared to Lizzie Andrew. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Lenora. Lenora is so girly compared to that. But um, lived with their father, Andrew, and their stepmother, Abby Durfee Gray. Also living with them was their maid, Bridget Sullivan, who they called Maggie. Now, they had a, um, a maid that lived with them beforehand, and her mm-hmm. name was Maggie. So when they hired Bridget... You're the they new just Maggie. Really, They're all Maggies. They couldn't get, you know, they couldn't be bothered to um can't learn two different names. Name, so they on, just man. called her Maggie. But also at this time, Maggie was kind of like used also as like a derogatory name for like an Irish immigrant. Mm-hmm. Like so that's part of why too that they kept doing it. Like it was kind of like a little kick. So it was like kind mm. of an insult. They were just being assholes. Basically they were being <laughs> snobby assholes. But yeah, so they called her Maggie even though her name was Bridget. Um, her father, Andrew Borden, was very wealthy. He was very, uh, he was a self-made man. He started by manufacturing caskets and becoming very successful in, like, a property developer. Like, he, he just, he had a way. He well, definitely figured caskets things Caskets back in the day, a lot of people were dying. That's good money. Yeah, so, it's guaranteed income. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept making them. Till this day. Yeah. <laughs> So he was a property developer. He was also a director of several textile mills, which in Fall River, like... He has a lot of businesses. Oh, yeah. And it goes on. Like, in Fall River, it was, like, 
it's all there's all factories like mm-hmm. what was it um and to, still till this day they're still there the factories are still there but they're not running as factories now mm-hmm. they're like redone like my sister used to work in one and it was like a dress shop there's a lot of shops inside the factories or they've remade them to be like apartment buildings mm-hmm. so but all of those old 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 buildings like all those old factories are still there they're ugly. I bet there's a lot of energies trapped mm-hmm. in oh, sure um, yeah d- sad <gasps> sad energies no <laughs> I, I mean they're ugly on the outside this. but some of them when they redo them are really pretty of on the course. inside but um but yeah so he had all those textile mills and he owned um many commercial properties on top of his own like rental properties uh he also was the president of the union savings bank and the director of the Dursey safe deposit and trust man he was he was, he's busy. in everything. Oh, yeah. No, he he had, he like, I think his wealth was, I think he'd be like, he'd be a millionaire in today's money. Like, I think it was either 10 or 16 million. He's an like, old-timey Jeff Bezos. I think 16 million. Like, he was worth a lot of money. Mm. Yeah. But despite all that money and his success, he was extremely, extremely... Cheap cheap mm. or they like frugal. to say frugal because it would upset him if you said cheap he's a <laughs> frugal man you always have to be careful about how you call cheap people cheap yeah <laughs> he was frugal which i think frugal is a better way of describing it because cheap can be like you can just look cheap you know i don't think he looked mm-hmm. cheap i think he was just he held on to the money <laughs> he didn't like to spend it that's probably why he had it but um, i love to spend it <laughs> But he was so frugal, his home did not have electricity or indoor plumbing. So being that rich, he still had to use, like, it was common back then to have indoor plumbing and electricity, especially in wealthy homes. And he was not putting the money in. I'm not spending money on convenience. They had to use, if they wanted to go to the bathroom, they had to use an outhouse or they had this, like, in the basement, there is, all right, kind of like a little... It wrote, okay, here's what it looked like to me. You know when you're potty training your kid mm-hmm. and you're on the go, they have those on-the-go potties? <laughs> no, I've never that's potty kind of, trained a kid. That's what it looks like. It's like this <laughs> box that, like, in the basement that you lift up, go to the bathroom, and close it. So it's not real, mm-hmm. like, it's like an inter- inside port john Like a bucket? Pretty much, but in a fancy wicker basket. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little fancier than a bucket. So they had that in the basement, or you had to go and, like, I guess, you know, whatever. Grab and, a shovel. But they had an outhouse. Mm. And I guess, like, for him, I kind of see how he would put off spending money on plumbing. Because if they have Maggie, who is doing everything for them, I'm assuming, it's not really like it's putting him in any sort of inconvenience. Um, I see what you're saying. But the longer we go, the more you can go, never mind. (laughs) Okay. Tell me. Intriguing. uh, No, it's just like. (laughs) Tell us. So, anyway, so they had no electricity. They used oil lamps. Mm-hmm. Um, they also lived in a very... Which, all this bothered his daughters, because they lived at oh, home. yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially considering how much money they had. So, yeah. And he was such a well-known man. Like, like he why was are not, we not living up to our... Yeah. Our, abil- yeah, our, our standards. Abil- our standards, yeah. our abilities. There's poor yes. kids that don't have to shit in the woods, Dad. <laughs> But no, like, so it definitely, um, it bothered them and it created a little bit of like hostility between the daughters and him. 
They also, um, they lived in a very modest house considering how much money he had. Um, they lived in the more industrial area where the Fall River, like the more industrial area where like the Irish immigrants lived. Now you're going to hear like in this story being an immigrant is kind of like in this time frame, like mm-hmm. it was kind of like you were looked down upon. You know, it was not. Well, depending on who you're talking, talking to, to not a whole lot has changed. <laughs> Unfortunately. But yeah, so they kind of put themselves like, oh, you know, we've been here. You know, well, like who the hell gets, thought they weren't immigrants at that point? People thought they weren't. I mean, it was 18. Europeans. Europe, well, exactly. <laughs> the Protestant, she was mm-hmm. European descent. Like, even though being Irish is. European. <laughs> the only it's ones just, who weren't immigrants were Native Americans. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Kevin. This land was not discovered. <laughs> so they lived in the industrial area where the wealthiest uh, residents of Fall River lived in the highlands, or known as the hills, which is where like the nice mansion wealthy people live, the bigger houses, um, more fashionable neighborhood than where they were living. So that was something that really irked Lizzie and her her sister. Lizzie especially really wanted to live in the Highlands. Um, And it caused them some animosity, definitely. So Lizzie was 32 and Emma was 42, and they were both still living at home, unmarried. They were 10 years apart. Spinsters. Yes. They were (laughs) raised in a religious Protestant household, they were both unmarried, and in those days, they were both known as old maids or spinsters. Um, Emma was the older of the two. She rarely left the house. She's more of a traditional spinster. You know, mm-hmm. like, she kind of fit the mold more than Lizzie. Um, she never really left the house, and she was described as prim, confident, and reliable. She was more of the introvert and looked after Lizzie from the time that Lizzie was two years old and their mother died. Even though, you know, he remarried three years later, she was still very protective. Yeah. Being 10 years older, Mm -hmm. she was very protective of her. Um, However, Lizzie was the more active, outgoing one. She she was very involved in church. She taught Sunday school to the, to like, they said in a, a, a place that I read, the recent immigrant, to the children of the recent immigrants. And I'm like, this is so weird. But um, she was part of the Christian Endeavor Society, where she served as a secretary treasurer. Um, that's like a youth group, I guess, kind of. Um, and was part of a contemporary social movement, contemporary social movement such as Women's Christian Temperance Union. All church stuff. She was very involved in church, very involved in charity. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also part of the a member of the Ladies Fruit and Flower Mission. So I was like, "What the heck what is did that? they do?" I need they to know more. brought. I, I had to Google it because I was like, <laughs> "I don't even know what to make of that." Like fruit and flower mission. What mission are you? Accomplishing Sounds like the sixties or something. <laughs> the flower mission is a society carried on by young ladies. Every Thursday, they take flowers and fruit to the sick in the hospitals and to, and to the sick poor in their homes. Aww. Basically, they show up with that, and uh, but only on Thursday. <laughs> Every other day, they're busy. Six days a week, you're out of luck. What? <laughs> but Thursday, we'll be there with your flowers. Fruits. And your fruit. And flowers. You won't get scurvy. <laughs> you we'll won't drop have, a lemon we'll off. rickets. I guess <laughs> that's nice. Nobody's yeah. doing that anymore. Well, I mean, if you're only doing it on Thursday, how much <laughs> can you care? I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
kind of nice. <laughs> she was described as attractive and said to have several suitors or escorts, but none of which were from the hill, so she wasn't very interested in them. Hood when rats. I think of her, I only can picture um, Nicole Richie in my mind. Nicole Richie? Really? Yeah, because she plays her in that show. You mean Christina Ricci? Christina Ricci. I was like, totally wrong Richie. <laughs> wrong Richie. <laughs> one's a Richie, one's a Richie. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, I read that she was, I don't know if it, I heard that she had red hair. And mm, if you look really? at pictures of her, even the black and white, you can tell she's got light eyes. Like her eyes, even in mm. older picture, look. In that show, it looked yeah. like she had dark hair. Well, the show isn't her. <laughs> and in that picture that you showed yeah. me, like her little baby self, she yeah. had Well, it's dark black hair. and white, but like, yeah, so I never knew what color her hair was until I was reading about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed red hair. But you can tell in even the black and white pictures that her eyes do look very light, even hmm. for that. So like, even in her pictures for, you know, the old tiny days, I thought she looked kind of pretty. And her baby picture was super cute. She was super cute. Yeah. So she was described as attractive. So there were people who were interested in her. But she also wasn't really into anyone that wasn't of a certain standard. She wanted to live a higher lifestyle. Um, she wants plumbing. She wants plumbing and electricity, <laughs> damn, damn it. it. <laughs> I can't really fault her for that. <laughs> I can't either. I'm not 100% against her. Yeah, I would be kind of bitter. If I had to shit in the dark in a bucket, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, and I, and my father was a millionaire, I'd be like, you've got <laughs> to be kidding me. <laughs> if it didn't flush away, I'd be pissed. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, even if Lucy had accepted the suitors or the you know people interested in her, her father would have rejected them as fortune hunters. This and Andrew Borden's reputation as being a shady businessman and his frugalness really didn't help his girls fit in. Mm. So even though they were of high society, they didn't live up where the high society people lived, even though they went to church and they went to functions there. They did live in like Yeah, they were like a different and he has area. a reputation for being and a shady businessman. I mean, you gotta think about it. They to be that successful, yeah, you can't you be like some shady you shit. You gotta be stomping on some people. There's no way you're getting that successful. I shouldn't say it like that because I feel like you really should always be an honest person. But unfortunately, what we have seen, not usually. So and he was kind of known to be like mm-hmm. kind of an ass. Um <laughs> I mean his kids were like 42 and 32, and they were both un- unmarried, and he would just turn people away as fortune hunters. So there was like mm-hmm. weirdness. And that was you know? a big deal back then. It was. He, so he was very like control- a money hoarder because he and, like, won't invest in plumbing or electricity, and That's he true. won't even allow suitors because he's so scared that people are only after his money. Yeah, that so he but is that really his fear, spend. though? You know, is it is it that he was afraid they were after the money, or is he more afraid of not having control of everything? Feel, you know what I mean? I feel like we're about to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to think about that. Like, the personality. I mean, he, has, he seems like he's got a certain personality, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's a bit weird. Especially back then, women like got married so young, and you wanted your kids to get married. Especially when you like were of high society. He maybe so. see, feels like everything is property. Exactly, a personality type. Like they are his property. Mm. Again, that's weird, right? So basically, oh yeah, one of the one of the things I read is like they were doomed to spinsterhood. I thought they was, were. I thought it was very dramatic though. They were doomed to yeah, spinsterhood. you had. To they were the, destined to be spinsters. To dad's dad's chasing yeah. everybody yeah. off. If you didn't have dad's blessing, you were. 
you weren't you but weren't then there. there were also rumors that maybe lizzie was a lesbian which if she was you go girl be you but also if not i kind of feel it's like sensationalized you know like mm-hmm. of course they're gonna say that because yeah because they weren't really saying that about her sister but she was also a spinster but i feel like because she made the headlines that like they had to add and she's a, yeah. not only yeah. she a killer she's a a <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's probably just an added drama. Exactly, but um, unless you tell us something to back it up, there's no proof. Okay, yeah, no, nothing ever came of that that I that I could find. It was also well known that both girls didn't get along with their stepmother Abby and had a kind of a difficult relationship with their father. They re- they rarely had meals with Abby or Andrew. And they referred to Abby as Mrs. Borden. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Cold. Ice cold. Mommy uh-huh. issues. Stepmommy issues. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was always that way because she was around since they were young, you mm-hmm. know? So for them, I just know that at least... For her to have not created some sort of bond with them after Again, all of that time... Weird. It's giving like she didn't really try. Well, there's that. And then, like, I think at one point maybe they had a better bond. But there was stuff that around this time, things were leading up to, like, the hostility. Things were getting mm-hmm. kind of, like... In the house, there was things going on in the house that, like, they were, like, I mean, I'm sorry, you're 30 and 40. Like, you can't all be in one roof. People need their own space. And when your bedrooms are, like, but touching. That's, that's Dad's fault, though. Like, yeah. he yeah. But it chased make- away all the suitors. I'm trying to think, why did this lady marry this guy? I don't have a toilet. I don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, he was lonely. I mean, there is still a lot of money there. Not yeah. sure he's going to die one day. So, yes, they referred to her as Mrs. Borden, which... In a way, it makes me chuckle. In another way, it's like, ooh, shit's going down. Mm. And they actually, after a while, were convinced she was there with their father for his money. Now, a few months prior to the murders, tensions were running particularly high in the Borden house. Abby's half-sister was going through hard times and was going to be destitute. So Abby asked Andrew if he could help. And he gifted a rental property to her half-sister. So he's like, absolutely, I'll help. You know, she probably just, like, she probably stroked his ego because what kind, you know, he probably had a huge ego and she knew how to work him, so. But as the daughters, I can already tell. I'd be like, hell no. Infuriated. Dad did what? Infuriated. I'm over here shitting in the dark in this bucket (laughs) and he did what? Yes. So that made them, they were furious. Emma and Lizzie were furious and... That he had them living in the immigrant part of town with no electricity, no plumbing, and their father um, gave away a rental property to a half-sister of their stepmother. A half-sister. Half-sister. And they demanded that he grant them a piece of real estate. So he did. He gave them the um, the house they lived in until their mother died. That was also a rental property. So... After a while, did it have plumbing? I believe his rental properties did have plumbing. Wow, so that's wow, another wow. slap in the face. And electricity. Yes. But um a win. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, he gifted it to them, but then after a while they realized that all the money coming in from the rents had to go right back out into the property for maintenance and keeping up with things. So they just for repairs and all that and they decided they it was a lot of work and they they didn't want it anymore. So they sold it back to their dad for double what it cost. Wow. It only okay. it, they sold it to him for $5,000 and it was only worth about 2. So and he bought it. He bought it back for them. So I feel like that was more of a favor 
I know. It makes you think like. Yeah, he was more doing them a favor. Or he knew it wouldn't last and he was just like, I can either give them the money or can make them suffer a little bit until they give up and then I'll just give them the money. (laughs) Life lesson. That's a parent lesson. So another incident that was causing tension in the house that uh, happened in May prior to the murders. Lizzie began, she was a huge animal lover. She loved animals. Um, and they had some pigeons out back. I like so Lizzie she, so far. <laughs> so she built a roost for the pigeons in their barn. Um, I guess Andrew found them annoying. And I guess Lizzie did something very minor that made him mad. And he killed the pigeons with a hatchet in front of her. Which devastated her. This was devastating to her. This created... This did not help their relationship. And this did not help with the relationship between both girls. So mm. this was a huge issue right around the same time. So they're like... The big thing that really created all types of tension was him giving that property over to the other family member. So then they're worrying. Like they, That's what started to worry the girls. Like... Is he going to leave her all the money? Or are we going to have mm-hmm. nothing? Because if he didn't give them the money when he died, and he was 70. Yeah, he's on They were going to be destitute. They would be left with nothing. They're not married. They're basically dependent on him. And if he dies before Abby, then she gets everything. And they are left with nothing. Mm. So... Did they ever just ask him? <laughs> I think I think they did say in the chat that he didn't have like an official will mm-hmm. or I can't remember now. I don't want to say it and like be wrong. But again, money makes people real twisted. Maybe it's better to be poor. No one's trying to kill you for at least all that. <laughs> they kill you for other reasons. <laughs> Several days before the murders, um, the entire household felt like became violently ill. Except for Emma, because she was out of town visiting a friend about 15 miles away in Fairhaven. So on August 3rd, Abby called the um, Dr. Bowen, which is the family physician, and stated that she feared that she had been poisoned. Now, personally, I think jumping to, I'm not feeling well, I must have been poisoned, Mm -hmm. is a bit extreme. But that's coming from me, who is afraid of, like, brain-eating amoebas and the flesh-eating virus. So, I mean, I shouldn't judge too harshly. But, <laughs> but it does make you wonder why. Like, why would you automatically be like, I, it must be poison? Well, possibly because of all the tension going on and, like, she knows that... Mm. Well, there's the tension, but then also, like, she didn't really specify, like, who she thought was poisoning her. Um... And besides, like, the household, like, the mm-hmm. vibes being off and everything. But, like, I guess I guess the paranoia was kind of high because Andrew wasn't really a very well-liked man either. Mm-hmm. Like, so I guess that would trigger some paranoia. Like, he could have screwed someone over in a business deal or, you know, like, mm-hmm. he was, a, I guess, a well-respected man, but doesn't mean he was a well-liked man. So he was sketchy. So after speaking to the doctor and telling him, you know, just saying she thought she was being poisoned and like then of course he asked her questions and asking her what she had eaten or whatever and she had said that she ate some fish that had been left out now remember they don't okay. have electricity right they so their fridge. food unless they're keeping it on ice like if you're having fish you cannot eat like you cook it eat it and that's it like you don't save mm-hmm. any leftovers like you're going to you're going to be sick so after talking to the doctor and her telling him that, he was like, yeah, you probably have food poisoning. You should probably get an ice box. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
you've got all this money. You can afford a nice You box. can afford a fridge. Get one. Um, but now, if you remember, this is not, like, they didn't have electricity. And, like, this is not the first time they'd all gotten sick either. So, like, the doctor kind of knows, like, you guys are cheap. Y'all cheap. Y'all cheap. You're getting food poisoning. So, that evening, um, the girl's uncle, John Morris, had showed up unannounced to their house. Just for a random visit, out of nowhere, unexpected. John was Lizzie and Emma's mother's brother. So that's their uncle from their biological mother. Mm. Um, he was in town for business and stopped by to discuss business matters with Andrew. Business, business, what business bus- they had. All types of business. Now, on the tour, our guide said that he was from Iowa or in like, is it Iowa? I think Iowa and like he was there. Like there was like, I think he had like, he like horses or cattle or something. Mm-hmm. But then when I was reading more into it, I also saw that he had he had lived in Iowa, but he had lived in Rhode Island, I think, two years prior to the murders. So mm-hmm. he was more local, but... He was local and moved away. Or moved away and then came... He was local, mm-hmm. moved away, then came back, is what I found. Um, but anyway, he showed up unexpectedly, unannounced, which wasn't very courteous but mm-hmm. to, to talk about business things with Andrew. what years is this again because how easily would it be for him to announce his arrival would he have had ironically, to like send mail or something ironically it's 1892 the same year that mercy brown died so literally just miles up the road you got a vampire dying making headlines and then <laughs> over here you got an axe murder going on it was a busy year <laughs> these people had plenty to write about I don't know why they were so bored. There was so much shit going on. <laughs> a descendant by a horse carrier. You know? Expect my arrival. They had so much happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How would he, would he have He'd had send a pigeon, a but pi- maybe mm. they was murdered by Andrew, and then they didn't get the message? Mm. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You send a letter. I don't know how long you know the letter took, but... But anyway, he showed up unannounced, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. But it is rumored that the conversation, uh, particularly about the property transfers, had aggravated an already tense situation, and he ended up spending the rest of his night on the second floor guest room. So Is that a bad thing? Well, I guess, you know. At least they let him in the house. <laughs> well, he let him stay, yeah. And then, like, they discussed their business, and it's rumored that, you know, didn't go so well. So hmm. on the morning of August 4th, John Morris woke up early. And had breakfast and left to do all his important business things before everyone else in the house. I guess um, I read in one place that him and Andrew like talked for a little bit in the morning. And then I read in another place that he had left beforehand. Either way, he was out of the house before everyone. Um, So around 9 a.m., Lizzie woke up and told the housekeeper Bridget or Maggie, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure she called her that, that she uh, was not feeling well and did not want to eat breakfast. Then she went to the dining room and started ironing handkerchiefs because what else would you do when you feel sick? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta iron those handkerchiefs. I don't iron. I, I don't go right back to bed, but that's me. But I wouldn't iron them if I had them. I don't have handkerchiefs or an iron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any handkerchiefs either. I've got Puffs Plus with aloe. <laughs> yeah, I have And Kleenex. sometimes I get the Vicks on it. It's so nice on your nose. <laughs> Throw that shit right away. So Bridget also woke up sick that morning. So either these people had food poisoning or they all had a freaking flu. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. She wasn't feeling well. And I guess Lizzie told her after making breakfast that she should go lay down for a bit in her third floor bedroom. Um, At the same time Lizzie was getting up, Andrew Borden was leaving for work. 
Shortly after he had left, Abby Borden decided to go and change the linens in the guest bedroom because Uncle John had left. Um, while Abby changed the linen, she saw, Br- I guess Bridget had came back down from her nap, and she asked her to clean the windows both inside and out. So this poor girl, poor Bridget, is sick to the point where she's, like, throwing up. It's August. Mm. It's hot. Oh, it probably stinks. And she made her clean the windows inside and out. That's got to blow. That is horrible. It just makes like you think about it in that. Mm. And these women had to wear, like, long dresses. Oh, yeah. It was, like, 90 degrees. No fucking empathy. No AC. So they're, like, yeah. And she's, they're all sick. So. Ew. Yeah. I know. You start thinking about it. Like, it did not smell good in there. You know it didn't. Oh, you know it smelled good. No one smelled good. How did they live? I know. Well, you know what? They were all pissed off. And they were all cranky. Heat will do that to you. If my AC goes out for an hour. If somebody didn't die in this situation, I'd be shocked. (laughs) They do say that murder rates go up when it's hot or when there's a heat wave. I'm not surprised. Me neither. That's why Florida. (laughs) Just Florida. That's why Florida. (laughs) So she went out, started cleaning the windows. She even ended up throwing up outside, which was collaborated by the maid next door. She ended up having conversation with her, like over the fence. So like she was seen out there. I do not do puke. I know. So around 1045 a.m., Andrew came back. Now, some sources said he came back for lunch. Other at the um, tour and other places, he was sick as well. And it was hot out and he was wearing like he used to wear this like big heavy coat. I don't know why these people did why that. Did, yeah, why did people do this back then? Like, why did they have That's to torture. have so many layers? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, I don't get it. But anyway, he came back. He also probably ate the same bad food as everyone else. He came back very, just not feeling well, very sick, having a hard time even, like, opening a door. And then he wished he had plumbing at that time. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, bet, I know there were times you'd be laying there like, God damn it. And then they're like, Maggie! <laughs> it's terrible. So Bridget said she heard him trying to open the front door that was locked. That was usually, usually it was left unlocked, but it was locked this time on this day. Um, she also said she could hear Lizzie laughing on the stairs. Like, as he was trying to come in, she could hear mm-hmm. her laughing. Um, so when Andrew came in, he finally got in and he looked at Lizzie and she asked him where Abby was. Or Mrs. Borden. Where's Mrs. Borden? <laughs> So Lizzie told him that she had received a note and uh, that a friend of hers was sick and that she left to go see her friend. Andrew, being sick, like everyone else, decided that he was going to lay down on the couch in the living room to take a nap because he was just too sick to even make it upstairs. He was done. Um, Later on, Lizzie would say that she had helped her father lay down on the couch and took his shoes off and put a pillow under his head, you know, all this to make him comfortable. So around this time... Uh, Bridget had finished cleaning the windows and decided to go back upstairs for a nap to lay down because she she had had it. <laughs> poor poor, poor girl. Thing. They're all in there just puking their guts out. Okay, they're all sick, hot. It's disgusting. And she's probably having to take care of the other sick people too, not just herself. Y'all, y'all thought COVID was bad. Damn. Eat some, disgusting. Eat some left out fish. I don't do. At the board. I don't go do eat puke. at the Borden house. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner parties were not their thing, I guess. Can you imagine? I wouldn't oh, go to a dinner would, party there. They don't no. have a nice box. <laughs> oh, God. Or a guest bathroom. <laughs> or a bathroom. Or electricity. I mean, I, can, I don't mind eating by candlelight, but I don't want to shit in a box. No, thank you. Once they poison me. So she went back upstairs to her room on the third floor to lay down. 
So not even moments after she's laying down, she hears Lizzie yelling, Maggie, come quick. My father is dead. Somebody came in and killed him. That's like a quote. Somebody came in and killed him. Somebody came in and killed him. Yeah. Suspect. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be honest with you. We can look at this from all different angles. But if I, like, walked in and found my father dead... I wouldn't be screaming, Maggie, come in. Someone, I'd be like, that bitch killed him. <laughs> wouldn't that be your first thought? Like, who else is in here? I would be like, get over here. Somebody must have come in and done this. Mm-hmm. Wasn't me or you. Wink, wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> but anyway, so Maggie went downstairs, and Lizzie told her, to, Maggie, I'm so sorry, Bridget. It's Bridget. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, um you're just going to come after you. I know. You. Now she's going to come Bridget's going to haunt you. So then Lizzie told Bridget to go get the family doctor, Dr. Bowen. Now, there were two doctors right next to them. Uh, she, there was this a, Dr. Bowen was further away, I'm yes, imagining. Yes, further away, but that is the family doctor. Now, the French-Canadian doctor who lived diagonally behind the Borden's house, he was literally right there. Then there was an Irish immigrant doctor who had a very impressive educational background. But he's an immigrant. And served as Fall River City's physician and lived right next door. Mm. But instead, she insisted on her getting the family doctor because only a Yankee doctor would do. Oh, God. Oh, yes. No, no immigrants could go and, you know. What the hell is wrong with these people? So there's no sense of urgency. (laughs) I mean, you still have to have your bigoted standards i guess and make sure you get the yankee doctor when he was not home lizzie had to um he she sent her bridget to go get their neighbor adelaide churchill so now during all the chaos we have lizzie we have bridget we have the neighbor adelaide we have a family friend alice who popped in to say hey (laughs) we have the police and during all this also dr bowen decided and everyone's touching everything so like we've got a house like we went from having like nobody we're screaming don't get the immigrants but get the doctor down the street then i'm like oh they're not there grab the neighbor oh look alice is here come on in you can come see the body too (laughs) so like all these people are just in here Somehow, I don't know, during all this, Dr. Bowen shows up. Andrew Borden's face was demolished, crushed like hamburger. So, like, Oof. He, was, he was hit ten times. Mm-hmm. Ten or eleven times. The first hit actually killed him. So, it was complete overkill. The first hit demolished him. And our tour guide said, now, I think she was being a little dramatic, but she said that he had choked on his eyeball. Now, oh, come on, bro. Now, I'm gonna believe it. I think she was exaggerating. I think she was just trying to, like, I, I want to go with it <laughs> because the first kill, the first blow killed him. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, oh, he couldn't, couldn't have, have, he couldn't have asphyxiated on his eyeball. Yeah. But I think she meant, like, it crushed so much that his eyeball kind of like split yeah. and went in. Like, I heard one, uh, I read in one okay, thing, his eyeball split in two. That he was so crushed that oh, it was in. his eyeball ended up in his throat. Somehow. Pretty much, and then I read somewhere else someone said that his eyeball was hanging out, but basically the eyeball was not in the socket. It was all up in the hamburger mess. It was a big. Like, it was a bloodbath. Straight Oof. up burger face. Yeah. Now, the police asked Alice and Bridget to go upstairs, or not Alice. I think they asked Adelaide. But anyway, one of the many people that were there was like either the neighbor or the family friend and Bridget to go upstairs and get a sheet to put over Andrew's body. Mm-hmm. Now, how times have changed because that's something you definitely don't do at a crime scene because you're gonna like contaminate evidence, like evidence you could transfer. Plant the wrong DNA. Yeah, you're gonna transfer it th- because of like 
Yeah, it's going to be evidence transfer. You're yeah. going to put something yeah, on like, there. It's a whole mess. But that's what they asked them to do. So when they went upstairs to find a sheet to put over Andrew Borden, that's where they found Abby. In the room, deceased. How hmm. was her face? In the guest bedroom. So Good question, Kevin. I'll How was you. her face? <laughs> tell us. I will explain that to you. Now... Another forensic faux pas that happened. When they found Abby, she had been slaughtered. When she had been slaughtered, her dress had gone up and, like, it was pulled up, so she was kind of exposed. So instantly, because, you know, that's just not modest, they pulled her dress down to give her pride, you know, to, like, Mm -hmm. protect her modesty, even in death. So they contaminated that crime scene, too, by, like, instead of looking at everything and taking the pictures, like the picture shows that her dress is pulled down. So if you've seen the picture, it kind of looks like she's on her knees, like Mm -hmm. bent forward if you ever look at the crime scene picture. But really it's because she had so many, um, I think it's called petticoats, like the Mm -hmm. long underwear. It kind of made it look like a big bump. So it looks like you see her feet and then you also see like, it looks like she's on her knees bending down, but really she's laying flat. But it's now I need so, to look at these pictures. Yeah, you can pull it up. Because it looks like she's kind of on her knees bent forward. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was so funny that they're like, oh, no, her ass is showing. You've got to cover that up. <laughs> she's going to be so embarrassed. She's dead. So Abby was brutally beaten with a hatchet. Now, the first blow was to the side of her face. So they think that the killer was face-to-face with her and, like, hit her. And she must have turned her head and they, you know, got her good. And that's what made her fall and fall face first onto the ground. After she was down, she was hit 17 more times, creating like just a massive bloody crime scene. Again, contrary to the rhyme where it said that she was hit 40 times, Mm -hmm. it was only like... It was only 18. Still a lot. Still, still overkill. Still filled with rage. Like, in order to hit these people, like, that's... I'm a, looking at these pictures. And it's a lot of rage. <laughs> when you look at the pictures, you see that crime hitting someone that many times. Especially when you know, like, the first blow killed her father. I didn't realize they had cameras back then. <laughs> <laughs> the old this, school cameras. Yeah, you had, it was a whole contraption. They actually have one in the house, like... Yeah. The old, yeah, the took old. like four days. The father looks fucked up. In Abby's uh, murder picture, you can see the camera in the reflection in the mirror. If you oh, look. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> so that's the old camera. Yeah, no, there's a lot of rage. There's a lot of feeling behind these murders. When you look at those pictures, that's not just. There's nothing was stolen. It's just like. A random act of that much rage is Good pretty... Good thing the quality is so terrible on these pictures because I wouldn't be able to sleep. I know. <laughs> it's funny that you said better. that earlier. I was like, oh, I wish the quality was better. <laughs> <laughs> so twisted. Oh, God. So Dr. Bowen declared both victims dead. Now that you've looked at the pictures, I'm glad he has a degree for that. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I could Thank have God he that. went to med school. I'm still Googling... I'm still scrolling through Google images of this. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Now, they have, he declared both victims dead, and the detectives, detectives estimated that Andrew had died approximately around 11 a.m., 11, 10 a.m. Now, his body was still warm and technically bleeding, when, like, the blood was really fresh, still pooling out. 
So his heart wasn't pumping, so it wasn't actively, like, spraying, mm-hmm. but it was pulling out. Like, it was still... It hasn't coagulated. He was warm. It was super fresh. It had just happened. Um, Abby Borden, on the other hand, they determined she was dead first because her body was cold and the blood was not as fresh. So that is very important to know who died first. Mm-hmm. Because that also gives motive. Because it's very important that Abby was dead first in order for all everything to transfer. Like, if he had died first, technically, everything would have transferred to her, and then her family would have gotten everything. Mm-hmm. She died first, therefore his money goes to his kids. So time of death was very important. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How did so, they determine this? Because of... Right away, even looking at it, mm-hmm. like I said, um, her body in the moment when they first got there, she was already cold. He was still warm. His oh, blood was so still pooling. She died first. Her blood was coagulating already. Yeah, so it was clear that she had already died at, like an hour before him, mm-hmm. or so. Like there was a good, decent time. And someone with a vested interest in the inheritance would know mm-hmm. to make sure that Abby she died was first. Gone first. Exactly. So again, like motive. <laughs> And, like, why? I mean, nothing's stolen. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah. it's very weird. So, good old family physician, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bowen, right away instantly gave Lizzie a hefty dose of morphine just to calm her down for her shock and to, you know, keep, make sure she was calm before the police even had time to And not a credible witness. <laughs> exactly. And before the police got to truly interview her. When they did interview her, they said that her demeanor, like... I wouldn't even call it a full interview. They were just talking to her, you know, because mm-hmm. they didn't have, they didn't actually sit down and really question her for a few days. Oh, oh sure. yeah. We'll get there. Um, when they did start talking to her, they said her de- demeanor was odd and her answers were strange and contradictory. She was high. Well, this is decent. But that's what the doctor said. <laughs> um, she was said to be abnormally calm and did not shed one tear. At one point in time, when the police had referred to Abby as her mother, she corrected them and said that she is not my mother. Well, she's not. So, not a good look. No, not a good look. Sounds like some good morphine, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not a good look. If you didn't do it, just say nothing. Just let it. She could be your mother, your grandmother, the Easter bunny. (laughs) Mommy's gone. But honestly, we can't truly know how anyone would really react during this time. Like, I don't think it's a good look. I think it looks bad. But also, I'm not her. I think I would probably also, I don't know. I think it would probably just be like a natural thing of pointing out like, oh, no, she's not my mom. I was going to say, when you stop and think about it, knee jerk, I want to go, ooh, that's bad. Mm -hmm. But then also, it's like, we don't know. Unless you're physically in that situation, Mm -hmm. you don't know how you're going to react I've got some very literal family members that are so literal that they might react that way, not thinking that doesn't sound right. Because they're not thinking about that. They're just being literal. Like you Mm -hmm. said, like you might just... I think I would. Yeah. But this is just, you know, one more. Like every murder or crime, newspapers, police, aha, you're you're being strange. Yeah. Whether or not she was being strange, I don't know. Okay, so with all this weird going on in the house, um, the house was not officially searched for 32 hours afterward. 
Like they did. Why the, did it take so long? They did a little walkthrough, but yeah, remember these are affluent people. They're the Bordens. They have lots of money. They sounds like police work was still. Everyone being wasn't out. feeling well. The police did a horrible job. That <laughs> is for like sure. They were still but on top them. of it, back you know they treated them. If it was a poorer family, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have treated. They wouldn't have given them the courtesy of oh they're not right. feeling well. We'll come back. Oh, gotcha. you know, like everyone was sick in the house. They treated oh, them. So they were like, oh, we'll come back when you feel better. Oh, you got kind the of, you know, they did like people. They did a little walk around. They found a bucket with bloody rags in it. So Lizzie tells them that Evidence. when they asked her about it, she's like, oh, that's my menstrual pail. Instantly, they're like, oh, no, okay, take that away. Oh, that's such a good one, though, it was Lizzie. A good one. That's a good one. I mean, one. I can't even fault her oh, because that's I. That's a good one. Yeah, she threw that out, and they were like, nip, done, okay, believe you. Mm-hmm, get that out of here. You could probably still use that today. <laughs> yep, exactly. Nah, some people want that. Maybe creepy Unless detective. you're raised by women. <laughs> that no one's pulling that one over on you. But that's what she told them. They believed her. I mean, good police work there. They were like, oh, oh, get rid of it, okay. They did a quick walkthrough. I mean, they didn't really even check her Bridget's clothing mm-hmm. for blood. I think they, men get super weird about that stuff. They really a did, lot especially of them. back then. And it was just so modest. Like how, like she was like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed," because I think she even brought it down the to the basement. And they were like, this. "What are you doing?" And that's how they found it. And mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, I was just embarrassed. My menstrual pail." And they're like, "Okay, no problem. <laughs> Goodbye now. No but, more um, questions." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, they did like, they didn't even, t- I think they went back afterward to ask her for her clothes and mm-hmm. she gave them some clothes, but like they didn't check to see if her if or Bridget clothes. or even that they didn't pay because they were like so quick in and out pretty much. I mean, people stayed there, but they weren't like investigating, investigating because everyone just needed, needed a rest. Everyone needed to lie down. Everyone's, you know, oh, they, so oh my their goodness. initial uh, assessment yeah. was that someone broke in and murdered these people. Their initial, no, they thought it was strange, but they also were like kind of just like going, like they were letting them dictate how to do the investigation, uh-huh. you know, money, Money Money's, talks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think they, they did a little walkthrough, but they didn't do a full-blown, like, search of the house. I think they even found hatchets and axe in the basement, but they didn't take them for hmm. evidence. Like, for, I think, 32 hours or something crazy. Like, it was a little bit of a stretch. So, and they didn't even intensely, like, question Lizzie or her sister for, like, two or three days till afterward. So, yeah. Must be nice to be rich. <laughs> but once questioned, Lizzie's story ended up changing quite a bit. At one point, she stated she was in the dining room ironing and heard nothing. But Abby was 200 pounds, okay? And in the room right above the dining room. So if she had fallen mm. and hit the ground, it would have been a thud. It would have been a, And these are old houses. Y'all mean. These houses, but that's a thing. No. I mean, it's just <laughs> physics. <laughs> Exactly. And these houses are old. Older houses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been in them. I've been in them. You drop something, you hear it. It's not as like insulated as we have now. That's true. It, it was mm-hmm. walls were pounds, thinner. Don't make a thud. Trust so me. her being I heavy. Tell you from experience. And that's literally dead weight. Mm-hmm. They're like, you heard nothing and you're ironing in the dining room in the room beneath her. Impossible. How are you not gonna hear that? So in the dining room. Ironing, ironing in the dining room. Yeah, that dining room was like a um, multi-purpose, a multi-purpose <laughs> room. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, she said she was doing that, but then at another point, she said that she was um, 
outside in the orchard collecting pears and sitting in the in the mm-hmm. barn eating pears. Even further well, away. That's a big difference inside mm-hmm. and yeah. outside. And then, but here's the thing: like they didn't fully buy that one either because they're like looking in the barn. They didn't see she didn't have any hay or dirt on her. Mm-hmm. The dirt wasn't. You could see footprints. There was no footprints. Like, she had been in there. Also, it was 90 degrees out, and she wasn't feeling well. She didn't even want to eat breakfast. Why would she go sit in the heat in a barn and eat pears? And eat pears. That just, the sentence makes you want to puke. So, like, it was just weird. It, and she was inconsistent. Hmm. Um, As guilty people tend to be. Yeah. And then, like, there was also, like, Bridget had said that she heard her laughing on the stairs. At one point, she said she had been upstairs. At another point, she said she wasn't upstairs. On the tour, they say it's like the seventh stair that you can count. Like, they count mm-hmm. up to seven. Like, that's where they're saying when, she, when her father was trying to come in and she was laughing on the stairs. That's where she was. Now, we all know that Abby died first. So she had to be dead up there. Lizzie's saying she saw nothing. I walked up to the seventh stair and looked into that bedroom and you can see clear because everything is set up in the house as Mm -hmm. it was. Same furniture, same setup. You can see straight from the stairs where they saying she Mm -hmm. was. If you look straight under the bed where her body was clear as day. So it's mm-hmm. kind of fun that I actually meet my kids. Like my kids, oh yeah. yeah, my kids are like, oh yeah, you can see that. Like the tour guide, and they're smaller. And like yeah. the tour guide laid on the floor where she was, yeah. and it's like, all right, now you guys walk up the stairs and look. And they're even short. Exactly, yeah. you can see straight under they're that kids, bed, and they can mm-hmm. still see. Wow. So for her to be like, oh, I didn't see her. No, she wasn't there. A little mm. bit weird. Plus, if you remember, she told her father that she had gotten a message and had left to go see a sick friend. Well, when the police asked her, where's the note? Oh, I burned it. Who just instantly burned it? That's random. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just got rid of it already. Instantly. So there was no... Who was the friend? Oh, I'm not sure. There was no sick friend. They never could find the sick friend. They could never see a note. So that hmm. was going against her as well. That's a big one for me. Yeah. Where's the note? I burned it. I oh. burned it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's crazy. I think we know that Lizzie... Was guilty. Mm. But see, there was no one to really verify her stories either. I mean, Bridget, Bridget's a, a sketchy one too to like, because it's either Bridget or is it, is it right. Bridget that did it? Could be the maid. Or is it Lizzie that did it? Did they you both know? do hmm. it? Did they both do it? Were they in cahoots? So the doctor, really, the family physician, Dr. Bowen there, was really sticking by Lizzie's side, really doubling down on, you know, oh, well, I gave her a double dose of morphine, and that's probably why her her story keeps changing. He really was like, "It's a lot for somebody to do by themselves, though." I don't know. Don't you think? I and think to like quickly clean up, and that's the interesting part. Is like, don't you think that you? She would was sleep a grown ass woman, though, right? You know, and it was only her and Bridget home. Now that's one thing that people have always been like, "Well, wouldn't she be covered in blood if she had just killed yeah. Abby and walked down the stairs?" That's what I'm saying. Now there are two ways to get up and stairs in that house. When you go from the front, you can go up the stairs, and then once you come up this, then the curve. Once you come up the stairs, mm-hmm. when you're at the top of the staircase, to the right is Lizzie's room connected to her sister's room that connects into their father and Abby's room. Mm. Those three rooms are connected and then there's a doorway and that's a staircase that can either go up to the third floor or down to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's the servants' um, stairs. Then, also at the top, there's the... 
at the top of the stairs, you go to the right. That's those three bedrooms. Like I said, you had to walk through each other's bedrooms to get there. Mm -hmm. Very weird. Very close. And then there's the guest bedroom where she was killed. Hmm. So there are other ways. Like she could have, they're saying that she could have like gotten changed really quick because her room is right there. And like, but it does seem with the time crunch, but you never know. If she pre Because it. you think that's a lot of blood. A hatchet? It would have to a lot be a splatter. lot of blood for two people, two bodies. And cast off. But it was one at a time. It was separately. So, anyway. The other person that really stuck by her side at first, her sister stuck by her I just by feel like side. it had to be very efficient mm-hmm. for her to get away with all of this. Some things do seem very efficient about this story. <laughs> So um, her sister really stuck by her side. Also, her BFF, Alice. Alice was very loyal. She decided, you know, she was there, the busybody. Let me just pop in, see what's going on. She ended up staying to help her and Emma out afterward. Like, the first night, she stayed mm-hmm. there with them. I wouldn't want to stay there. It's just me. Fresh, fresh murder scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to sleep over and hang out, guys. Um, so she decided to stay with them for a few days to help them out during, like, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get everything settled. And But during this time, she witnessed Lizzie go into the kitchen, go into the pantry, and pull out a dress. And a dress that she claimed had red paint all over it and said, what am I going to do with this? And then she threw it into the stove and burned it. Alice was horrified when she saw that. And screamed at her to not do that. And it was like, you should not be burning that. And I guess, well, you should have stopped me or something. Like, she tried to twist it, you know, like, hmm. like, hmm. I don't know. And then our guide also said, like, during that time, Abby was really doped up on morphine this whole time. You're like, that doctor kept her doped up this, like, this whole time. Nice. Abby or Lizzie? Oh, I'm sorry. Lizzie, Lizzie. And Alice ended up going to police and telling them what she had seen. Now, this was pretty... Needless to say, this is pretty much the end of the friendship because after this, she was, like, not trusting the story here mm-hmm. and was really freaked out. Like, you just had two murders in your house and you're burning a dress. I don't know about that, Exactly. Lizzie. And our tour guide, like, when I was reading things, it didn't say that... Um, it just talked about Alice and Lizzie being there and having this interaction. Our tour guide said that her sister was also there, and that her sister was like, burn it. So, that doesn't surprise me, because she lives there, and she's yeah. always protecting her. Yeah. It made a lot of sense to me, too. So I was like, hmm, you know, sometimes they have more information. I don't know. There's there's so much stuff that you can read that it will mm-hmm. contradict or, like, vary, kind of. But, um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, another story that the police heard that someone came and told them was the pharmacist that was close by. He said that Lizzie had been there the day before the murders and was trying to buy cyanide. Mm-hmm. Now, he wouldn't sell it to her because you need a prescription for that. When, questioned, when they questioned Lizzie about it, she said that she needed it for cleaning fur. Apparently, that was common. I know cyanide was used sometimes for like either like killing hmm. rats or like for kind of like common things that you definitely wouldn't want to touch cyanide, but they used it more com- <laughs> like cleaning and things. I don't know. But she did say that she did look for it, but he didn't sell it to her and that she was going to use it to clean fur. Suspicious, but not completely damning. Suspicious. I would call that, like, 
I, reasonable doubt. Mm. <laughs> I would be like, oh, I can't be sold on that one. It's the 1800s. You never know. Yeah. But the police were in and out of the house for the next few days. Like, they were never fully alone. Like, I think the first night the police stayed overnight, and then they were in and out for a while. Now, another suspicious character that we just haven't talked about is Uncle John, who had showed up unannounced and spent mm-hmm. the night, and then spit spot out in the morning, have the important business to do. Yeah, what's up with that, <laughs> All dude? these important matters to take care of. Um, when the police questioned him, he gave a very de- detailed statement. He knew where he was each minute of the day, who he talked to. He made sure to talk to all these people. It was so detailed that it was suspicious, but they did check him out, and it, 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 all, checked, it out. checked out. So on the morning of August 5th, he left. He went packing. Sure, that was a very hmm. odd uh, stay for him. So this is something to keep in the back of our minds. Now, during this, the bodies of her parents were still in the house this whole time. Back what? then, the autopsies and the preparations for the burial were done at home. They leave them in the couch? They mm. left them in the dining room. Oh I told you, the God. multi-purpose room. They had the bodies in there. So her friends stayed the night and the bodies were in the dining room. Like, put, and there's no electricity. Oof. The airflow has got to be bad. 90-something degrees. It's hot out. Oh, my goodness. The stink just gets worse and worse. Everyone's puking, probably shitting. <laughs> like, <laughs> the smell. You can smell this story. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. So, the medical examiner or, like, the, um, I don't know if it was a medical examiner or, like, the, the undertaker or whatever, they did the autopsies and everything in the dining room, prepared the bodies for burial, all this stuff. I guess they concluded that, based on the stomach contents that they were not poisoned and that Abby for sure had died first because they'd been based on like the milk they drank and the digestive and all that, the digestion and everything, which was very important as we talked about before. Five days after the murders, they had the funerals and believe it or not, it was an open casket. What? Yes. Why? Uh, Whose choice was that? Was it I guess Lizzie's that was their choice? choice? I don't know, but basically they just turned their heads to their good side. They just <laughs> oh, they still had a good side. They just had a good side. So wherever they didn't have the damage, they just kind of like that was considerate of the murder. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they left the casket. I know it's not mind blowing. They had an open like you would think because they didn't have makeup and stuff like they have yeah. nowadays. So yeah, they just would turn the head to like oh well, that one looks better. That's your good side now, and that's how they did it. I don't know. And then after the funeral, they weren't buried right away. They were brought to a holding tomb so they could do another autopsy. And during mm. this autopsy, they actually had their heads removed and they boiled the skin off because they wanted to keep their skulls for an exhibit during trial because they wanted to show all the strike marks mm-hmm. and like put the axe in it. And like, so these poor people, not like, talk about not being laid to rest. Now you're sitting in your dining room. Then you're like being displayed. Now your head's being cut off. You're not. They're just not being buried. They're so, cooking your oof. your skull. So when you think about like they say that Abby and Andrew's bedroom is like the most active. They were killed in that house and then kept there for a while. That's gonna be some bad juju. Just throwing that out there. Mm. Now you can imagine this was huge news, and a lot of the newspapers had different opinions. Um, it just varied. It just varied on which newspapers you were reading. Some newspapers were very uh, the higher class. 
supportive of Lizzie. The other newspapers were more the immigrant newspapers, and <laughs> you know, of course, they were like, they were like screaming, "Lizzie did it!" The day after, like before the police were even suspecting her or fully suspe- suspecting her, I should say. So I think by August eighth, they had an inquest and they questioned Lizzie. And that was like a private inquest. People couldn't really be there. And then after that inquest, on August 11th, Lizzie was arrested. Mm. And this is where I'm going to leave off for now. Because on a cliffhanger. On a cliffhanger. Because going into it, there's so much more. And we've been talking for how many, how time are we at now? Over an hour. So, yeah. I have questions about the upholstery in the house. Is that how you say it? Upholstery? Upholstery. Why is there an H there if it's not upholstery? English is English weird. is really strange. <laughs> yeah, so like that's the couch. That's the couch. They so just that, cleaned it up and So what they did now, they talked about and how like the carpet, that's the carpet and that's the wallpaper. I don't know how much of that, because, all right, so the furniture. Because I'm, like, looking at all these old-ass pictures and, like, the pictures from more recent times, and it looks very similar. Oh, yeah, no, they they redid it to be either it's the same stuff or they found things that Mm -hmm. completely match it. Now, the furniture, someone did ask during the tour, is this the original furniture? And she said, it is, but it isn't, but it is. And she was, and here's how she explained that. He was a furniture, he manufactured furniture. Mm-hmm. He made caskets, he made furniture. So what they did, like a lot of the stuff was put into storage at one point and they had to take it back out. Anything that, like the bed itself, if you look at the crime scene photo and then you look, I have pictures from the tour, you look mm-hmm. at the bed, like Ryder pointed it out. He's like, it's different. But some pieces of the bed are from the actual bed. The pieces that were missing or broken they took other pieces from his furniture mm-hmm. and, like, replaced it. So there is still, like, it will show his marking, like... Is it because there was axe markings on it? Or, or it just got old or, like, misplaced uh-huh. or, you know, like, because they had things in storage. So she said it is set up the exact same way. They've made it as much as they could, like... The everything original? Everything is authentic, but some things are still replaced... Mm-hmm. But also some of the replaced things were still his. So interesting. Yeah. So Very I don't you'd have to take like some sort of inventory to really know yeah. what's what. But That's it is cool though. But the couch itself is the couch. Now in the pictures. And they just cleaned it up and left. what they did is Ooh. they reupholstered it. And after all this went down, we will talk about it in the next episode. Um, because they kept the house. Mm-hmm. They ended up using that as a a rental property, and what they did is they reupholstered it and left it there for their tenants. Nice. <gasps> That's so I was going to say, who's the genius that that held the scene? And they always talk about how frugal he was. He is that frugal. Is like a, yeah, but he was dead. So yeah, I'm like, they there's complain. no excuse anymore. No, that's what I thought. I'm like, you want to complain that your dad was frugal? That's some frugal bullshit. I would have been like, can we burn that sucker in the backyard? <laughs> like, we're done with that. I'm assuming no. the bed and breakfast now has electricity and plumbing. Yes, there is electricity and plumbing now. So if you do want to stay there, and mm. I recommend, I think you should. <laughs> Honestly, it was such a good tour. You should go. If you can, go. And it's not that expensive. And even, like I said, we did the um, basement. Mm -hmm. That was only like six extra bucks or something. And I was like, worth it. Worth it. Completely Mm -hmm. worth it. They are so nice. They are so, like, knowledgeable. And, like I said, it was animated. It kept you, like, we were in there for hours. Like, I think it's like a two-hour tour. I think Hmm. we were there longer than two hours. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, toward the end, I was like, ooh, I'm getting tired. Like, but... (laughs) 
but I didn't want it to end. Like, my body was tired, mm-hmm. but I was, like, all about, like, you get so sucked into it. And yeah. then, like, in the back, they also have, like, a gift shop, which, again, selling merch is how it keeps things open like that. Mm-hmm. Tickets and merch. But, um, no, it's a really good time. It's a cool. really, really good time. And I definitely want to go back, like, and spend a night there one time. Like, just I one. I want to go. Just one night. But yeah, it That's was really, cool. really, really. Melody will good. go if there's a luxury four star room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if yeah. there's a luxury suite room, I'll stay the night. <laughs> Melody's gonna make, I'm gonna book her the most haunted room. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's uh, it definitely has electricity and it definitely has plumbing now, so it's definitely worth the stay. You don't have to shit in a box. <laughs> sure, it smells better now. <laughs> definitely smells better. Definitely didn't stink. Good, good. Yeah. Those are all very important things. Yeah, but no, we had a great time, and this is such an interesting story. And we also learned a little bit more about the area, so that'll probably be another another episode some other time. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're going to leave it here, and we'll get into it next episode. Subscribe. <laughs> Follow, review, tell your friends, comment, comment nicely, send us your stories. Absolutely. Get to us on our Gmail at mostly at gmail.com. Tell us what you want to tell us. I mean, I'd love to do some, some, some of your stories or at least interact, give you a shout out. You write to us, we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening and we hope you come back. Bye now. See you next time. next week bring that ass <laughs> next week and this is why <laughs> Kevin's stuff gets cut right. <laughs> we should leave that one <laughs> <laughs>